if you put one of these items on your agenda each month, you'll find that as a board, it allows you to keep accurate in what you're doing, to be engaged with the work of the organization, and to govern better. This is the Board of Directors Coaching Podcast by Get In Motion Entrepreneurs. Here, you will find experts, coaches, and influencers in the nonprofit world. They will share their experiences and memories to help you fulfill your organization's mission. Let's raise our standards to ensure we make our communities better, one board meeting at a time. Now is the best time to embrace your organization's mission. Let's get started. Today, I want to welcome you to the Creative Excellence Broadcast. We're going to talk about building a better board. And our topic for today is board governance. We're going to begin with five basic good governance practices and then follow that up with some policies based on the 990. We have four policies that we want to cover. And finally, I have a checklist of things that you'd like to add to your board uh, calendar so that you cover one of these topics each month as you go through the year. So let's get started. First, let's talk about corporate minutes. It's very important for every board to keep clear and accurate and concise minutes of what goes on in the meetings. As a nonprofit, you're responsible as a public body to make sure that you have transparency so that those people who both support your programs and those people who provide you with funding will know that you're doing the things that they've expected of you. So it's really important when you keep board minutes to remember that you want to record who was present, what actions were taken, and any changes that will affect your bylaws or your programs are recorded so that in the future, there's no misunderstanding. As a board member, normally we review the minutes from the previous meeting each time we meet just to confirm that those minutes are accurate. And then we put those into our board uh, manual so that we'll have a record as we go forward. The second good governance practice that I like to talk about is to have a clear conflict of interest policy. You see, we are public charge. And so it's really important that we don't benefit personally from the work that we do as nonprofits. What this really means for us is that if there's any question of should we do something for the nonprofit that would pay us money or that would otherwise benefit us personally, that we are very careful to avoid those situations. I, I like to say, if you have to ask a question about it, then you probably shouldn't do it. You know, it's better to err on the side of, hey, I wasn't able to do that. than I did it thinking that it was okay. Now, the board should have a clearly written conflict of interest policy that states that no board member does work for the organization for which they get paid that they could influence by the work that they do as a board member. It's really important to be clear on this because this is like the number one thing that can get your organization in trouble with the IRS and with your local uh, regulators. 
So keep in mind a clearly written uh, policy that you go over every year with the board members on conflict of interest is really important. And it should be uh, recorded in your minutes that you re- that you reviewed it at least once every year. The second, uh, the third point rather, is that you should be, uh, the board is responsible for hiring, firing, and setting the compensation for the executive. So whoever your executive director is, or if you call him the CEO, it is the board's responsibility to hire that person. It is the board's responsibility to set the compensation for that person. It is the board's responsibility to manage the performance, to to review that at least once a year that you're happy with their performance. And if you're not happy with their performance, then it is the board's responsibility to terminate that person. Now, one of the things the board is not responsible to do and that it cannot do is tell the executive director how to do the job. So the board defines what needs to be done, but it is the executive director that determines how to do it. And if the board doesn't like the way they do it, then the board has to remove that person. But what we don't want the board to do is to get involved in the day-to-day operations of the organization. So at no point should the board be telling either the executive director or any of the staff what they should actually be doing in terms of operating the organization. That is the sole domain of the executive director. And a lot of times this creates uh, terrible chaos, right? I work with one organization where uh, the one of the board members felt that they had um, the authority to ask uh, the accounting department to write some checks. And this was a conflict with what the CEO had told them to do. And there's nothing worse as an employee than when you get two conflicting uh, orders from two different leaders and you don't know what to do. So you don't want to set up your staff um, to fail. And when I went into this organization, the staff was very unhappy because uh, these conflicts were really starting to wear them down. So it's really important as a board member that any request you have for the staff go through the CEO. And it's important for the CEO to make clear to the staff that staff should not work directly with any board member except when they work on the same committee. Now, if we have the accounting person and the finance officer are part of the finance committee, and in that work, they're talking about policy and procedure related to accounting, that's great. But when it comes down to how you pay a bill or who you pay, that is not the purview of a board member. So it's really important to recognize that you want to respect those boundaries of the CEO. And if you have a problem with what the CEO is doing, then you want to take that out with them directly and not with the staff. My fourth point that we really want to talk about is that you make sure that as a board member each year, you review the organization's Form 990. Now, if you have a smaller organization, you may not actually complete the full Form 990, but I have uh, recommended to many smaller nonprofits that they should 
try to fill out the Form 990, even though they are only required to submit the 990 in postcard because that information is important for us. And so on the Form 990, it identifies the board members. It identifies who your major donors are. It identifies how your finances were used. And that's information that you need to know to run your nonprofit accurately. So I would recommend that the board ask the executive director to complete the Form 990, even if they don't have to file it, and that the board go through that document and make sure they're clear on each and every point that's included. You know, the 990 is there, again, to protect you as an organization. It's not there to trap you, but it's really there to make sure that you cover all of the essentials to being a good nonprofit. And then finally, you know, it's really important, as we know, that the board review uh, the financial reports. So what you'd like to do is make sure that you have the last three annual financial reports available to the board and that every three, every year you look at those three reports to make sure that uh, you can track if your organization is growing, if you've made changes, if that's improved your bottom line, if you're having issues, how you're addressing those, and your financial report should allow you to see this. So as a board, those five things are really important. The first one, again, make sure that you're keeping good, concise, and accurate minutes. The second one is to make sure that you have a good, clear conflict of interest policy and that you review it each year. The third one is to make sure that you are hiring and managing the performance uh, uh, of the chief executive officer. The fourth one is to make sure that you review the 990. And the very last one is to review at least once a year, go through all of the last three years uh, annual financial reports just to make sure that you have accurate information and that you know where your business is going. You know, as a board, um, these five things will help your nonprofit operate more effectively and you'll feel better that you know uh, what where you're going. Now, on top of this, I want to talk about uh, four policies that I think every nonprofit should have uh, in place. And so uh, I'm just going to spend a minute talking about those. The first one uh, in this day and age is a whistleblower policy. You know, a whistleblower policy protects people who report concerning behavior either by staff or board members from retaliation. And it's important that your organization have a written, approved whistleblower policy in place according to the Form 990. And so uh, there are examples that you can find on the web, but it's important that this policy protect your employees so that they make sure they know they're not going to face retaliation. The second policy that uh, as a board you want to make sure is in place is a document retention and destruction policy. You know, for all of the right reasons, you don't want to keep around records after uh, you don't need to. So this policy will clearly lay out how long you should keep which records and how they should be disposed of when their time is expired. You want to make sure that 
This is just a part of good housekeeping, but it also shows attention to detail on the part of your nonprofit. The third policy that you as a board want to make sure you have in place is a gift acceptance policy. On your 990 and even on your Form 1023, one of the questions is, what type of donations do you accept? And it's really important in this gift acceptance policy to spell out what those things are. So do you accept real estate? If you do, what are the terms and conditions you do that? Do you accept stocks and bonds? If you do, what are the conditions under which you do that? Will you accept geese? And what are the conditions under which you would do that? Now, I know that last one sounds a little like strange, but you'd be surprised at what people will sometimes offer your organization And sometimes it's just good to have this policy in place to say, thank you very much for your offer. We understand and appreciate it, but our gift acceptance policy does not allow us to accept livestock. And and I know, again, that that might seem funny now, but it's it's a good way to deal with um, those occasional eye gifts people want to offer you. You know, some organizations take automobiles, others do not. What defines that? this gift acceptance policy. So it's important for the board to take some time and to actually um, look at some samples and decide what you as an organization want to include as gifts you will accept and what are some gifts you will not accept. And then the final policy that you as a board should have in place is a joint venture policy. We live in a day of mergers, acquisitions, partnerships, and collaboration. And it's important for you as a board to determine what will those joint venture relationships look like? Which ventures do you want to explore? Which ventures do you want to avoid? You know, as a board member, Sometimes we're just looking at the bottom line. How well are we operating? But maybe if we partner with a certain organization, we could leverage the resources that we have and do better. So our joint venture policy ought to identify what are the criteria that we want to follow as an organization when we enter into a partnership or a collaboration, or we may even want to look at, would it be beneficial for us to merge with another organization? And if we did that, what would that governance structure now look like? Would we keep our board? Would we have to uh, merge our board into another board? Or would another board now govern this organization? So as strange as it may seem, And these days and ages of mergers and acquisitions, they apply not only to businesses, but also to you as a nonprofit. So putting these four policies, a whistleblower policy, a document retention policy, a gift acceptance policy, and a joint venture policy in place will help each and every one of you to be sure when these situations come up that you already know what to do. Uh, Somebody once said, If you try to come with the policy in the middle of the emergency, it's a little bit too late. Uh, 
In my notes that I'm sharing with you, I have given you links to sample policies that you might want to look at that will help you as a board to formulate your own. Okay. And last thing I want to cover today is just some work that I think each and every board should do over the course of 12 months. So I've got about 14 items I'm going to go over. Um, and you should think about adding one of these items to your uh, agenda each month as a way to go through this checklist. If you do that, you'll pretty much cover all of them every year. And this will help you as a board again to make sure that you are covering all of the important uh, items that that go through our hands as board members. So the first thing you want to do at least once a year, you want to talk about the organization's values, their vision, and their mission. What you're really trying to do is focus on how the organization values align with and help shape the board members' values. You know, if we are, uh, I'm from Philadelphia where they do a lot of rowing competitions. And one of the things we realize is when we're trying to be competitive and rowing the boat, everybody has to be aligned and stroke at the same time. And your values really determine the culture of your organization. So it's really important for you as a board to sit down and determine what are the four, five, six main values that we want to identify that will help to determine the culture of the organization we want to be. You know, values can include things like integrity, quality, uh, determination. Uh, and we want to make sure that we, ha- we provide good service. We want to make sure that we are compassionate. And so as a board, reviewing the values at least once every year will help us to make sure that we're aligned and that the organization is aligned with the outcomes that we want to achieve. The second thing that you should add to your agenda at some point is to review the compensation and performance of the chief executive officer. So again, uh, it's really important to recognize that you want to look at the compensation paid to the chief executive, but you also want to check what is our reimbursement policy for expenses of volunteers, of staff. It also applies to you as board members, so you may get compensated for travel. And so at least once a year, you want to make sure that you look at What do we do in our organization and how are we reimbursing people? How are we compensating people for the work that they do? For any paid staff members that you have, I really recommend a website called onetonline.org, which carries uh, information about job descriptions, skill levels, and compensation that you can use as an organization, as guidelines to set rates that you want to pay different staff members, rates that the CEO gets paid. And so I really encourage you to use that website to uh, verify that what you're doing is reasonable. And if you feel that you want to pay someone differently, make sure that you document what it is that is special about them that would cause you to make that change. Also keep in mind again, in this day of diversity and equity, that you want to look at 
you know, are we compensating people um, in any different way based on gender or race or age? Because uh, we want to make sure that, again, we're examples of equity and that we're paying everybody a fair and decent salary. The third thing you want to do is take one meeting and spend some time, again, going back over the conflict of interest policy. Usually at this meeting, we'll go through every line of the policy with the board. We'll ask the board if anybody has questions. And usually we'll end this meeting by asking the board to actually sign a document that they have gone through this training, that they agree with the conflict of interest, and that they are not in conflict of interest with the organization. And we put that in a file that we keep for the rest of the year until we have this meeting again the following year. It's really important to be proactive in this area because boards want to, again, keep the trust of the public. And when we are going through the conflict of interest process, that allows us to um, answer any questions about any uncertainties in the way that we do the work that we do. So it's really important uh, to do that at least once a year. The fourth thing that you want to make sure is on the agenda is the review of the 990. You know, again, as a board, it's a great thing to help people understand what you do, what your budget is, who your contributors are by going through the 990 together. So again, even if you don't have to file the 990, just setting up one meeting where you as a board go through these steps is really going to be helpful for you. And then the fourth thing that you as a board should do is confirm that all of your annual filings are getting done. Remember, not only does a nonprofit has to file that Form 990, but they also need to file the Statement of Information. There are also maybe several state and local forms that they need to fill out. The Attorney General's Office with... Um, the local business license. And so you should have one meeting where you check on the status and what the due dates are for each one of these filings and that you're clear that all filings are up to date and that everything has been paid, any fees have been paid. These things, again, will help you as an organization to stay out of trouble. Now, in many cases as nonprofits, we agree that we will not engage in political activity. But what we can do is engage in advocacy. And so we want to have one meeting where we talk about what that really means. What is advocacy, which is acting on behalf of a cause versus what is political, which is acting on behalf of a candidate. And we want to make sure that none of our board members is crossing the line and appearing to have the organization support a political cause versus a social cause. So one meeting where we just have that conversation will really help us throughout the year. Now, at this point, um, it may seem like this is a lot of work. But if you just add each one of these items, one to an agenda, it will really help you. A few other things that need to be added to the agenda would be an annual budget review. You know, reviewing the budget each year, approving the budget each year is really not just about 
looking at the financials. It's really about looking at the growth, uh, the indicators that we look at for performance, the effectiveness, and the impact of the work that we do as an organization. When you do your budget review, you also want to look at maybe the work you, you've done in a particular area just to make sure that you're getting all of the value you want for the money you're investing in a program. Sometimes you can have a program that everybody likes, but it's just not really working economically for the organization. And at the budget review, it's time to to evaluate that, to make sure that um, we are getting the most leverage out of the resources that we have because we have a responsibility to the people who donate money to us to be effective in that area. And then along with the budget in a separate meeting, we probably want to go through our annual audit. Now, if you're a smaller nonprofit, you might not perform an audit but you can get what's called a compilation from your a financial person, from your CPA, or if you have an accounting department, they can try to write it up where they just do a report about the efficiency of your accounting system, any potential conflicts in your accounting system. You know, accountants must follow a set of rules, uh, their financial accounting standards. And you want to make sure that as a nonprofit, that number one, you know what those rules are. So those standards, there's several of them that you can review. And then you want to make sure that you're following them. So you want to talk with your financial people at that meeting. So that's a good opportunity to make sure that if, you, if you're shorthanded, if you have any conflicts, that you're taking care of those so that there's no question about um, opportunity for fraud or embezzlement with your organization. Now, here's a really cool part. Um, along with that review, I'd encourage you to do what we call a risk assessment, where you look at your insurance and you make sure that you have enough liability insurance, that you make sure you have directors and officers insurance to protect you as board members, that you make sure that you have worker compensation insurance to protect your employees. Because um, as your programs grow, your risk grows, your risk changes. And so it's really important for you to keep in mind that you want each and every one of these areas to be reviewed at least once a year. And then the last two policies that I want to go over, the last few policies I want to go over would be um, to make sure that you have your board officer um, elections every year uh, so that as people term out that you're moving those officers uh, into office that now are elected so that you stay current with the terms so that your board continues to grow. You know, term limits help us to bring new people on board. It doesn't mean that we don't appreciate people staying on the board, but it allows us to make sure that we get new people on the board. And that's really important 
to getting new ideas and new perspectives in the way we do things. We want to remind the board that it's important for them to participate in fundraising. And so I'd like to have at least one meeting where we as a board talk about what do we want to do both in terms of our personal contributions and then our contribution to fundraising for the board. Um, Keeping track of these things uh, really helps us as an organization to ensure that the board is engaged and participating in the process of helping to support the organization. You know, for some people, when we talk about fundraising, it really gets them uncomfortable, but you can make fundraising fun. And so I really encourage you to, uh, as a board, talk about how can we do this in a way that everybody on the board wants to be engaged and everybody on the board wants to participate? Because that really is going to help us as a board to do better. And then finally, you ought to have a board celebration. We want to thank people on our board. Our board members are our nonprofit's ambassadors and advocates. And it's really important that we show appreciation for the time, energy, and effort that they put in to support our organization. So it's really important for you to give one another a great uh, pat on the back, to give each other applause for the time you've put in as a faithful board member. Now, if you put one of these items on your agenda each month, you'll find that as a board, it allows you to keep accurate in what you're doing to be engaged with the work of the organization and to govern better. I want to thank you because this is what's going to make you a better board. Thank you for listening to this episode. We sincerely hope this program helps you to advance in your organization's mission. Please send us a message with the topics you would like to listen to. And if you would like to become a guest of the podcast, please visit our website and fill out the form at gogetinmotion.com. Embrace your organization's mission. Embrace the board. Embrace our communities. This is the Board of Directors Coaching Podcast by Get In Motion Entrepreneurs.